Saying low, Apple Music. 68 after 16 on the hour, and this is the interview series. Thanks for joining us for conversation number 52. We're getting through them. A lot of curiosity in the music space. Nils Fram, the last episode I really enjoyed. And if you've listened to his music, check out that conversation. All right, on this episode, we're talking to a remarkable human being. Even beyond just the creative, anytime you get to spend talking with John Batiste and you will leave enlightened and inspired and reminded that there are good people out there in the world doing great things, but there's complexity in it too. There's challenge in his life story. There's hard work, there's hustle and grind and really all the hallmarks of a great tale. But when you hear John Batiste tell it, it's all wrapped up in this desire to do great work and inspire people. The first time we actually ever met was an off the record conversation that we had about an idea. We were both kicking around. Someone had suggested we meet and very quickly we connected about all the important things in life, right? Family, community, being a part of something bigger than just music. And that's what I ultimately think is driving John Batiste. He has a much better way of simplifying it. He has three words that he applies throughout this conversation that give him his North Star. You're going to hear them several times in and amongst a lot of other really great stories. John Batiste, a real one right now in the interview series. Where's my guy? Congratulations, my friend. I can't ignore it. I can only celebrate it with you, bro. So deserve it. You and Trent Atticus for such great work, man. Well done. Bruh, that was so, so heavy to see the reception of the film mm. around the world. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Cause cause we we it brought so many people together, man. I'm so, so proud and humble. Thank you, Zane. How you feeling, brother? I'm feeling good, man. You know, I'm encouraging positive manifestation and destiny that is that is outside of this current situation on so many levels. I feel grateful to be alive, and I feel grateful to be able to conduct conversations, ask questions, and talk to really smart, thoughtful, compassionate people like yourself, bro. So I'm happy to see you. Man, you the man, bro. I love you, man. Love it's you so too. good always when we get a chance to talk. And and this time is crazy because I feel like we're all changing. Our internal life is evolving. And we're evaluating so many things and so many questions that we probably wouldn't have had the time in this point in our lives to do. I feel like that's what this album is about. I feel like we are as you bringing all of these different emotions and feelings and energies and movements all into one collective thought and saying, it's okay, I can cry, but I can also dance and I can also tell the truth. And there's so many things going on here. It's almost like a manuscript. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, man. I, I, I really do feel like it's a culmination of my life and so many of the different things that have gone into creating who I am today. I also just wanted to have something that captured the the lineage. You know, I'm always thinking about taking the past, blending it with things in the present to create the future. I'm always forecasting the future. Like, I'm trying to think about, okay, if I was a musical archaeologist, but instead of putting things in a museum, I'm taking these things, these Black forms of social music, and I'm bringing them into the present to create something anew. I love that. It's the first time we ever will ha have had the chance in history to do that. We can't. We can blend things, indigenous forms of folk music, all of the stuff from the Chitlin circuit. We could put it with trap music. Yep. We could do stuff now and create the future. 
but only if you have the skill set to be able to do it and the curiosity to be able to learn it. And you can put that in whatever order you want. Learn it, do it, do it, learn it. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all, it's all the same. So what did you learn making this record? As somebody who has learned so much so far and has the skill set to be able to even tackle a project like this covering so much ground, like I said, you know, historically, contextually, and creatively, what did you actually learn? What are you going to take into your next thing? Man, look, I, I learned something from... Quincy, who who worked on the record with me, I talked to him throughout the process of the record, wrote the liner notes, and Quincy told me something Duke Ellington told him, which is we have to decategorize the music. I learned that it's a, I always felt it. I always thought it. I always felt it, but I didn't know it. Yeah. That genres don't exist. Well, it makes total sense because this is Mr. Back on the Block. Now, the first time I ever heard that record, that album was like, I don't know what to call this. Big Daddy Kane is on this, but equally he's in full jazz mode on this. And he, like, I just could have like, whoa. And that's why that record is so colossally groundbreaking because he hasn't categorized music for the longest time. He'd been doing it from, from the time that he was with Frank Sinatra. Yeah, it's, it's just incredible just to think about how much music we can really have at our fingertips right now if we just like you said we want to be curious and we want to know it and we want to put it together and and that's really what i was i learned that i have 10 10 20 years of projects and ideas that we just scratched the surface of i almost feel like this is like my first record i learned that this is the beginning you know what i mean like i learned that this is the beginning i love that what, what's it what's he under in your phone just q you gotta just call him q it's gotta be q yeah well I mean, it's, 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 it's Quincy, but it's like all lowercase people. Cause, cause you know, sometimes your phone be ringing. You certain people in your phone, you got to have it like where if the name come up, low key. it's low key. Low key. I don't <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, I don't do that. Is. I used to do that. And then I got to the point where I was like, that's a fun game. So now I just have John Batiste in capital letters now. So when you call me, everyone knows John Batiste fucks with me. And I'm like, that's good for my confidence. I'm, just, I'm, this is an investment. <laughs> I love that. Ah, you, you, you came. I love how you came, man. But, but that's a good vibe, though. People see that, man. I, you know, when I was making this, too, Stevie's been calling me because he's going to Ghana. That's that's another thing I, I learned, actually. Stevie, man, there, there's something in music that is bigger than entertainment, that is bigger than the idea of commodification, mm -hmm. that we have to get back to right now. It's urgent that we get back to it. Are you talking about the journey? It, it, yeah, yeah. The, the journey and the manifestation of it in community. Yes. We, when we're talking about the Chitlin circle, we talk about juke joints. Think about drum circles in, in West Africa, in Ghana, or like, you know, passing the fiddle around in Appalachia. Just different ways of music being a part of the fabric of everyday life. It is the reason. It should be the, it should be the reason. It should be the ultimate catalyst for people to come together and, and express oneself. It is a pure and direct form of communication that cannot be altered by any other context. Thereby, Nothing. it is the ultimate communicator to all community. Absolutely. It's the universal language, and it's, 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 it could be music for rituals. It could be music to, to fall in love to. It could be music for somebody to be born to. It's just... That's that's where I'm at right now. Like it, whatever I'm doing, it has to have that level of authenticity and connectivity. You know, this album really is a beautiful uh, example of how to lean into the important conversation in a country that needs to hear them. 
and needs to be a part of those conversations and speak to one another and learn and understand. Living in America, singing, writing, performing, and communicating about that experience from your point of view as a human being on this planet, and then talking to Stevie and hearing what he has to say about his plans and how he's like, mm, I'm going in a different direction. How, how has he communicated that to you without speaking on his behalf? What are you learning from him in terms of his next step in life? You got to protect your energy. You got to protect your joy. You got to protect your love and you've got to protect your community. Love, joy, and community are the things that I've just started to figure out are the key ingredients to what I'm all about, what I'm trying to communicate and what all the people who I love, like Stevie and, and all of the ancestors who I've, I've really studied and just in the whole game, those are the three major ingredients. You got to protect them. And if that means you got to go into a different space at this point in his life, you know, you got to go, you got to go into the space where you know that you can protect those things. And some people, that, that role is to be in the street, to be protesting, to be activizing, activating, creating, building. Yeah. Other people, that role, they, they may have done that role already. <laughs> I did this already. It's not my turn anymore. It's your turn. You feel, though, as an artist releasing a record like this, like, there is, like you have road to run in this country that you, that there's work to be done. You feel committed to that. You feel like there's a, you, you, that your voice and what you want to achieve here in the United States of America matters to you and therefore matters to what you're trying to say. I think it matters because it's a human issue. It's a, it's, it's so many things that we're talking about at once that is really nuanced that the divisive conversation and the kind of polarizing way that we view things is destructive because we come from these very nuanced Humans are nuanced. We have our earthly, fleshly nature, and we have our divine spiritual nature. Art, music, culture, family, community, that feeds the spiritual nature. That feeds the divine nature. And bringing that to the conversation, coupled with the aspect of lineage that I come from, and my understanding of what that means in a cultural context, I I feel like very, I feel compelled to speak. It's, it's almost a calling to speak and to be a leader in that way now more than ever. And that's really what pulled me into the streets back in, in, in the summer of 2020. I didn't think about that. I had a lot of stuff that I probably, you know, if I would have thought about the network, <laughs> if I would have thought about, because we didn't know what people were landing on the side of the fence on that time. Yeah. But if I would have thought about it, I probably wouldn't have done it in the same way. You know, you're risking your life in a certain way as well. Police, violence, brutality, coronavirus, all these things. But I just, if I'm about all this stuff that I said I've been about since I've been out here, then I would be out there. And that was it. You know what I mean? We spoke around that time. You were so clear of, of, of mind. You know, we spoke personally off the record. We had, we had a chat and you were so clear of mind. And it struck me that like, wow, the future, the next step that John takes is going to be so essential and so impactful that you'd reached a point in your life on the, on the path of like, clarity and sense of self. And I, and I want to just go back a little bit first before we focus on we are even more. And I want to find out what it was like for you as a young man, trying to make your voice heard and trying to establish your identity coming from that lineage, understanding how important and powerful that is and proud of that, that that is, but having that young person energy of just wanting to make your own way, which is natural too. How was that wrestle? It's important, man, that you struggle with that. It's important that you bump up against that. I was young. In my family, I was the youngest when I was coming up. I remember the first ever professional gig I had. 
was nine years old, singing for a commercial, fronting my family. And I'm talking about, you know, my dad's side of the family, seven brothers, about 30 cousins. And I'm the youngest. It's a family band. They got the junior family band. In the junior family band, I'm the youngest. And, you know, it's the thing in, in black communities where if you got a young kid who's got enough talent and charisma, put him in the front like Jackson 5. Yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah. First impressions. Literally, first born right. impressions. <laughs> Last born, first right. impressions. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that was, that was nerve-wracking. I was just very, very out of sorts for, for, for a while because I was an introvert, naturally. So then building up the courage to perform and to write music and then eventually learn piano, learn all these instruments, then developing this sense of, wow, there's a greater world out here. I'm 16 years old. I want to move to New York. My whole family is in, in Louisiana. You know, before them, I got four generations of family farmers, black family farmers on both sides of Mississippi and, and Georgia. We're not Northeast. No. We're not East Coast people. You have roots so, in the earth. And so you, you're saying you want to go into, yes. the, into the concrete jungle, right? And, and was there resistance? Did your fa- was there any concern from any, any points in your family of like, John, some, you know, some people aren't made for that world? It, it was, man, it wasn't that. It wasn't resistance, but it was almost unknowing. It was just this sense of support, but we don't really know that. And we've had people in my family who have gone out and, and created things, but they've always come back. You know, I'm thinking even about my extended family, Alvin Baptiste, Harold Baptiste, who, you know, he was working with the great Sam Cooke, Sonny and Cher, Patti LaBelle, producing, arranging. Like, I, the world. I saw that, but when, they, when I was growing up, they were all home. It was like everybody was home. So to be 16 and to say I'm moving to New York, people didn't really know what that was. And you're talking about in, in 2004, 2003. That's young. This is a modern, <laughs> yeah, this is a different world right it's now. It's a different world for sure it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think now kids grow up at such a rate and they're exposed to so much through their peer group and social media messaging and communication that the idea of going out there outside and experiencing things is just a natural extension. But back then, that's a big leap. That's a big leap. Yeah. But, you know, God was with me, man. He, he was pulling me in that. Di- you got to know where your coordinates are. You got to know what you're supposed to, even if you don't know how to articulate it, you just got to know. And like you said, man, when we spoke, man, you knowing yourself, knowledge yourself is the greatest. Because if you know internally, even if you can't say it, if you just keep following, keep following that call, you're going you're gonna to end up where you need to be. So you have a really defined internal compass, but there must be moments when even just the external chaos gets in the way and creates a layer that clouds your ability to see through things. How do you stay present in the moment? For someone who's a musical archaeologist who's using all of that to define the future, what does the present mean to you? Well, the present is everything because the power of the now is what allows us to create the future. Mm. The power of the now is the greatest power that we can use as creatives. Because if we're present, that's where the possibilities are. The inspiration is in the past. The possibilities are in the now. So when you're looking at this, you 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 know, Dre, I, I'm just thinking about people that I've worked with, I've seen work, like just the way that the listening and the intention of the, the listening. focus, yeah. It's so, so present that you're almost you almost dissipate. Yourself disappears and it just becomes the thing that you're focused on. And and that to me is a great, great exercise, a meditation, a spiritual practice that I've 
I've, I've tried to develop and keep up. And in some periods in my life, it's easier than others. You know, right now we're on the train, you know, we're promoting the film yeah, yeah. on the campaigns. We're doing the album promotion. So in these times, I find it, even if it's just five or five, five minutes, five or 10 minutes in the morning or at night, just before bed, just to get into the present and in, in the presence and just, you know, just be, be there. But really, I don't have a method. I, don't, I can't really ascribe anything to anybody. It's your I'll method. I tell anybody what to do other if, than that. Look, yeah. if you, it, listen, this, this is the thing you learn about any form of meditation or holistic mindfulness is that if you've got to start somewhere and learn someone else's technique to develop your own, but very quickly you'll find what works for you. There is no universal approach. Right, right. I, because I, everyone's <laughs> internal voice is different. Everyone's relationship with themselves <laughs> is totally different. So it's like for some people, it's a deep breathing meditation. For other people like myself, I have to breathe normally and try and find a way to focus and and focus takes me into a place of, of absolute emptiness. But I can't just go to emptiness. My brain is just like, oh, no, no. hell no. I'm not that trained. you got to focus no. <laughs> on something very specific to get out of your space. That's what works for me. I find that a lot of times I have to get the clutter out of the way to know what I actually really feel and think. Wow. How do you do that? Well, it, it, it comes in the stillness. There's a lot of clutter and there's a lot of stimulus around. And I, I'm, I'm a thrive. I thrive on stimulus. I'm an associative thinker. I like to have a lot of stimulus going on when I'm creating. Like if I'm playing, I'll be playing the piano and doing mm-hmm. something. Then I, I'm, I like having the, the, the laptop open with yeah. something on. I'm the same. The sound off. I'm the same. I just like having. I have to have the TV on when I'm making music as well with the sound down. And I have to know that, yeah, totally. I have all these things around me at all times. I get it. That's it. <laughs> we kindred in that way. I, I just find that when I cut everything off, that takes a lot of the clutter. And it's good stuff. But when you want to know what's underneath it all, you just got to sit with nothing for a minute and, and confront that. And that's a beautiful thing. You mentioned, you know, Dre before, and you've been, you know, you've had some incredible experiences, you know, these learnings that you're able to apply now to your music. I mean, you absorb and collect. That's the beauty of collaboration. It's the beauty of opportunity. Can we just go through a sort of a, a short list of some of the most impactful people you spent time with and, and ultimate learnings that you think you've taken from those in a respectful manner? Absolutely, man. I, I've, I've, I'm always taking from, I'm, I'm literally taking from everybody all the time. And it's a good thing. You know, the, you got to know how to hide your sources, which is, <laughs> that's, but, but, uh, present your best and protect the rest is the way I look at it. But yeah, 100%. I like that. Present your, <laughs> yeah, man. When I was coming up, you know, I listened to a lot of the music that Soul Quarians were making at Electric Lady Studios. And one of the one of the guys who stood out in that that bunch was Roy Hargrove. I spent a lot of time with Roy. You know, D'Angelo just did the great verses performance, legendary D'Angelo. So sick. Out. I mean, when he sat down and just started doing the you know the the jazz original, was it the Milk Jackson? Is the original of the world is yours? Yes. yes. And he just started. He slid into that. Ring, oh oh yeah. Dun, 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 dun. The, yeah. Oh, the, uh, that that uh, Amate. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And he just the touch he had. Man, musicians touch, right? Just the ability, Nat- a natural, a natural. That that whole Roy, the, the horn parts that you hear on those records, and and D mentioned it. Just big up to Roy Hargrove. I, I spent two years with Roy in all three of his bands. He had a funk fusion band. He had a jazz quintet. He had a big band. And and I learned so much from Roy. What I learned from him was that your process doesn't have to be 
like you talk about with meditation, your process doesn't have to be something that you necessarily have to articulate in order for it to be valid. I love that. People think they got to have it written in a formula and be able to like break it down and explain it. People talk about, man, the cats back in the day, they didn't really know what they was doing because they didn't have theory yet. Just feel, just be, right? Just be. Isn't that it? Yeah. Isn't that it? I mean, people talk about like, what are the great life lessons? What are the things that you will eventually get to when your time is at a natural conclusion? God willing, will you think about all of it in one big volume or will you zero in on very simple observations? And I just can't help but feel as I get on with life, it's like, let go, just be like these, like two, three words, max. That is the key to mastery. If you can, you can synthesize so much complex notions and ideas and themes and information and synthesize it into something that's just expressed so simply. And you can't skip steps because if you say just be and you didn't go through the steps, it's not going to have the same weight. <laughs> it's, it's, you, have to, you have to do a lot of work to get to the most simple phrase. That's the point. Yes. Yes, yes, that's right. That's right. You got to do a whole lot of work and then it's one plus one. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, and I'm somebody who obviously, as we, we talked about, I come from a lineage. I've studied a lot of stuff, but I've always been that guy that's just, I'm not a theoretical person. I'm not, I'm not like a person who thinks about music in those ways. Because I know a lot, but then when I sit down to create a play, Oftentimes, I'm just feeling my way around like a child or something. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, we did that? Oh, man, that got three harmonic structures in it? Oh, wow, that's got some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that'd be the best stuff. And, and that's why I feel like I can collaborate with so many different kinds of musicians. Yeah, because you're open. And by its very nature, the more that you, the more that you apply your learnings and everything else in a structural way, the more closed in a way you are, right? You have a way that it has to be for you to understand it and for you to be your best. I'm, I'm always learning. You're vocalizing your process. Roy, man, Roy. All right, so the beats on this record are serious. Like, I mean, the production on this record is serious. And I know that, you know, you're a real head when it comes to that. And Roy played an essential part in the Soulquarians. For those people that don't know, Soulquarians was ultimately, it was a super group of musicians and producers that came together and made incredibly impactful records around the turn of the century. Really impactful. And, you know, the fact that it was so short-lived is kind of part of the romance of it. But for a short period of time, they came together and they made magic happen, right? But at the core of this group of musicians, artists, and producers was this dedication to hip-hop and to beats and to the sound of modern black culture, not just the old idea of being able to play an instrument really well and communicate, but no, 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 this is a modern idea done in a traditional way. So where did you get your ability to be able to lean into that space? Because you definitely know how to construct a modern record in a really great way. I wanted to make a record that had all my influences in it, and it took this long to actually figure it out both in my schedule and time and just lining up things, but also just the right collaborators and the vision of it. Cause I've been making beats since I was in middle school and selling them to rappers, you know, before, <laughs> before we had SoundCloud, people put their beats up online or make, make tapes and sell the uh, CDRWs at school. That's right. You know, I was, I used to do that. We had a CDRW, you know, my, my, my first EP I did in middle school, me and my boy Chuck, we called it the brotherhood. Man, I just since then I've had that in me and have been making that. And I got like hard drives full of. I always tell my good friend Ryan, who actually executive produced this record with me, he said, "Man, you need to just one day show the world your production yeah. 
chops and just like link up with some some MCs because I have hours and hours and hours of material in that space. So I feel like I've been developing it, but the world just didn't know. And now it's just an opportunity, just all lined up. You know, we work, my, my boy, my good friend, Jahan Sweet, Jay Sweet, he's incredible. You know, Kehlani mm-hmm. produces, it, it, we went to Juilliard together. So wow. he came to me one day when he was at Juilliard and he was 18. I think I was 22 at the time. I was starting my master's program, starting the undergrad young cat, black dude from Florida. I loved seeing it because I was like, he was the first one since me that I seen it all the time. <laughs> I was there. I was like, man, what you doing? So we, we made beats in the dorms. And, you know, he, he we worked on Boyhood on there, Pomo from Anderson Park, Ricky Reed, just finding those people that bring me back to that that space. And then I'm like, OK, let's let's rock. And that's how it happened, really. I just it brought me back to some of the other stuff that the world hasn't seen from me yet, you know, which I love because you are and when it comes to your creative space. And in fact, let's be really clear, your interests are developing in this area outside of music, too. There is a renaissance nature to who you are. You're like, mm, I just want to be able to be in all kinds of spaces. I was talking to AP about this yesterday, actually, Anderson. And he was like, I do everything. I just didn't know how to communicate it. So I had to attach each album to a beach. So people had a concept. Otherwise, they were like, I don't understand this music. <laughs> So he was like, that's yeah, yeah, why he yeah. Venice and Malibu and Ventura and Oxnard. Cause he's like, I had to make normal people realize I'm not normal. <laughs> man, man. That's the truth though. It's funny you mentioned AP because when I was making the record, I, I had a few people come by the studio and AP came by. We listened to the tracks and it just, he played me some of the stuff he was working on. Oh, we know about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's like. Oh man, so the the conversation and really the the question for artists in in this kind of space is how do you communicate something that is so multifaceted, so outside of the box of genre and thinking like that? How do you communicate that to the public cohesively, directly? So they just rock with it in a way that is very, very clear. What did Quincy say when you when you talked about that? Because, you know, let's go back to the original start of the conversation. You, you, sh- you know, we need to stop categorizing music. So how did he give you additional direction and how to present an album as, as diverse as this? Because rhythmically, stylistically, thematically, this is a diverse record, man. Well, it comes from the intention behind it, which, you know, if you talk about the intention for me, it's love, joy, and community. Love, joy, and community are universal themes. Love, joy, and community. You know, that's the aspect that, you know, people who thought they didn't like jazz, you know, billions of people watch Soul. You know, people watching that movie thinking, oh, wow, I didn't, I thought jazz was martinis in, 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 in a smoky bar and people doing jazz hands. And it's like, no. It's, it, I think that, it's the most misunderstood genre. I really do. Yeah, it is. But it also is not a genre. It's a sociocultural movement. Yes, well put. <laughs> it's a sociocultural movement that's rooted in the Black experience that has become global. Well, that's the difference, you see, right? If you consider it a genre, you don't understand it. You're absolutely right. Once you go beyond the idea of it being a musical style and recognize its roots and what it represents, it becomes all of it. You're right. That's what this album and that's what the stuff that I'm working on, you know, I'm working on this musical right now. We, we're doing this Broadway musical with the Basquiat family for Jean-Michel Basquiat. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I haven't forgotten our conversation early on about that. I walked away from our first meeting going, whoa, that is a crush. What an opportunity. But but I'm, I'm, I just bring it up just just to illustrate that something like that is in a similar position where a lot of people you wouldn't believe don't know about his genius or how to interpret it in this very, very cryptic in terms of even the way he messaged through the generations and left hints for us to kind of decipher until today. But if you come with a certain intention, 
just the intention being aligned and the right people in the room to leave some room so that the magic happened and God come in the room. That's what Quincy always say. You know, once you get the right people and the right intentions aligned in the room, then just let God come in the door. Let Leave the egos at the door. Let God come in. And that's ultimately what, in my own way, that's what I'm about. The intention is greater than the genre. It's greater than anything that you could put a box around. You mentioned God. I know that, you know, you you are a deeply spiritual human. You can't make the music that you make and you can't be connected in the way that you are unless you find a way for your inner voice to, you know, to connect to something outside of your existence, right? Something existential. I want to talk to you about, you know, your relationship in that regard with your faith and with the idea of spirituality and, and perhaps even with an example, like when it was really at its most present for you, when you needed God the most in your life and and when you felt touched and, and supported and, and guided by God the most in your life, do you, do you feel? Apart, I mean, I know it's every day, but, you know, in specifics. When I was broke, <laughs> when I was in New York and trying to figure out how to make it, and, and I remember doing things, you know, just pushing myself to places internally to believe that the gift that I had was still real and to not give up on it. Wow. Like, because people wasn't seeing it in a certain kind of, kind of way. So if, if, if they're not seeing it, for you to know that it's still, no, I gave that to you. You're supposed to have that. You're supposed to do something with that. Yeah. You know, I remember back in, man, these is years I, I was in school. I was at, I was at Juilliard and in between the, uh, the classes on the weekends, I'll be flying to LA. I would call people. I would cold call people. I ain't gonna say no name, but I would call like producers and songwriters, artists. I'll call them and be like, Hey, let's link. I, w- I would love to write for you. I got some stuff that I want to present to you. You know, like let's let's get up. I got I got some some fire. Let's go fire from the bike. So then then like they would think that I lived in L.A. and then they would call me like the day before and say I'll meet you. Uh, let's let's meet at the studio at noon. So then I'd be like, all right, bet I'll I'll be there. And I'd be trying to set this meeting up for like three weeks or something. So then I would get a flight on the Friday. To meet somebody in LA on a Saturday at noon. I didn't, I just got my driver's license. I'll get the rental car, spend all the money that I made the whole month, get a flight just to take a 30 minute meeting. Then I'm in LA for the weekend, sleeping on people's couches. People who just graduated from the J yard are like people I knew in LA, musicians. Just, I remember sleeping on Jeff, shout out to Jeff, the, the dude Dow, Jeff Dow, who's Based on Jeff Bridges' character in The Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. I linked with him early on in, the, in my career. I sleep <laughs> on his couch a lot. Wow. Just thinking about those meetings and those times, I remember. So I went to one meeting, and, and this is a very esteemed producer, house in Beverly Hills. The flight was supposed to leave at 4. Um, it was on time. I get to his house at around 1. You know L.A. traffic. The meeting is supposed to be an hour. You should be leaving for the airport at 1. I got my luggage. It's oversized and it breaks. <laughs> I got all this stuff that I gathered on the trip as well under the other arm. And then I got uh, my New York coats and stuff. I got these oversized sweaters. It's hot, but I got like these oversized sweaters and coats on. Way too much luggage. One broke luggage in the other hand. Some, some, some souvenirs I got. You were shambles. I'm in shambles. Get to the door. Leave the stuff in the bushes. Come in, have the meeting. Come out. You can't catch a cab in L.A. You got to call the cab. This is not Uber time. This is earlier. So I, I call the cab. The cab is like $100 to the airport. I get to the airport. I missed the flight. I almost missed. It's just 
so many stories I could go on and on. And it's funny now, but in the time, oh yeah, it wasn't paying dividends. It wasn't Golden Globe, <laughs> Emmy nominated, Grammy. It ain't, it ain't TV you money. Can't uh, it ain't all of that. that. When those things are happening, and you got a broke piece of luggage, and you've missed your flight, and you're and you've got no money, and you're just figuring this out, and nothing's probably come of this opportunity yet. You just can't Nothing. see past that. <laughs> and, and I do understand, right? I understand that is when faith really comes to the forefront and allows you and gives you the, the confidence and the courage to keep going. I, I, the, I've spoken to so many people and I have so many friends now who are deeply ingrained in a, in a life of faith, right? And I find it super fascinating because my faith is different than anyone else's faith. And, and, and so I, I'm, 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 I'm very curious about, the, about how people apply it. And what I've learned really, I think over time is that it's a conversation at a time when you don't have anyone to talk to, or you feel at your lowest point, or even when you just, everything's going great, you need to have a dialogue. Yep. And so it's a conversation with something that is far greater than yourself, which leads to a a place of humility, which allows you to listen and learn. And it resets the balance. That's kind of what I'm figuring out. It means to people aside from community and the importance of something existential. Think, think about the ancestors and the people in your line and the people that you know in history that have struggled. What was, what was Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth? Think about these people who, <laughs> what, how did they make it through that? Right. How, how did they make it through that? Well, you know, you're right, man. It's a conversation. And it's a conversation with the all-knowing, ever-knowing, everlasting, is bigger than all of us, is, is, is there. And God is is really that for all of us, if whether we know it or not. Yes, that's that's it. Yeah, that's where the courage lives. That's where the determination ultimately stems from. Is this idea that this linear, self-absorbed experience is not? That's not it entirely. There's something going on, and you can conversate with it, draw inspiration from it rise above it it gives you it gives you a place another level to go to man another level that's see man my, my faith with christ i can do all things through christ who strengthens me it's the it's the strengthening i can do all things like if you actually believe that internalize that also the thing that that, that we understand about ourselves that can evolve and grow the thing about us internally that can be transformed that's what it is as well the thing inside of us that we know we're striving for always and we're trying to be better. What is better? What is growth? What is enlightenment? Yeah. Things that we're trying to unlearn that connecting to that. That's going, man, we could, we could talk about this. I'm trying not to be too long winded, but you know what I'm saying? I love it. I asked the question because I find it incredible. <laughs> no, I'm enthralled. I'm enthralled. And I, you know, because I'm, I'm learning that right now it really matters. It's always mattered, but I'm seeing people internalize in such a deep way because stillness has affected everybody to some degree. We in it right now. We in, we in a space where we're evaluating all of our choices, whether we want to or not. We're looking at the place that we in in our life and decisions that we made and trying to figure out if these are things that we want to go back to. Yeah, that's right. It's an audit, right? It's a, it's a physical, yeah. mental, emotional, and spiritual audit. That's really what's going on. Mm-hmm. And if you're not figuring that out in your own time, then when the world opens up again, 
you're going to be trying to figure it out and the distractions are going to come back and all of the machinations of life and, the, and everything that kind of like ultimately makes the matrix is all going to start to flood our consciousness again. So that in a weird way, this time we need to take it, you know, that's why I love that you did meditations last year, because to me, I feel like that was a step to making this record. What you and Corey did was kind of almost, a, it was almost like a, I need this. I need a, to, to make something that allows me to be still before I can figure out what it is I'm really trying to say. Is, am I on the right path? Man, so so perceptive. I would <laughs> so perceptive that you see that, man. We made the record meditations while making We Are. And we made it because we felt we needed to make it. Yeah. It was during the breaks between making We Are. You know, I told you I love to have many different forms of stimulus happening at one time. And this was really a great example of that that has manifested into a project. Meditations was the thing that I felt balanced almost the yin and yang concept, it balanced all that was happening in the world, all that we were doing with the album and putting into We Are and all of the collaborators. You got over 200 musicians on the artists, creatives, engineers, We Are. Meditations was Corey and I, our brother Nate, our brother Sam, let's build this world and let's capture this world and let's share it with people at the time when it's right. It's about sound. Yes. It's about the, the essential notes, the essential intention, but it's about the way that it sounds, right? That's the thing. It's you really get to dial into your instrument in a way that often every time you lay a track down, like you write a song on the piano or on an instrument, and then you start to build around it and it becomes a sum of all parts. And each collaborator has to have a, have their, their 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 part of the relationship, the chemistry of the end result, right? Otherwise, someone's going to be like, "Oh, I think like my part was like seventy percent what I hoped it would be." Or what? so you, it's all of it's it's like a it's like a list of a hundred percent. Everyone's got to be at their one hundred, right, for it to be perfect. You know what I mean? Or as near to perfect as can be. Yeah. When it's just you yes. in such a reduced environment, you're like, "How do I just create my let my instrument be in its most impactful?" and special place right now, just in this moment right here. It's the art of being in the present while creating something, co-creating something. Being in the present can oftentimes make you think or make you feel the need to, to go back and fix things. But we told ourselves when we went into this making, making this album, we want to be in the present so much that we accept whatever comes out. The record was done in one take because we wanted it to be about acceptance. <laughs> we wanted that vibration to be embedded in the sound of how we're playing. We're, we're playing with the mentality that, oh, these notes, this moment, this idea is here and we're here and we're meeting it and we're giving it all we got. I just had the maddest idea. You're going to laugh. I just had the maddest idea. Imagine like when the doors open up again and you're able to play live, right? And you take We Are out on the road and you compile your band and you bring your collaborators and it's just this incredible review. And it's just this unbelievable like community experience. Imagine if at the end <laughs> you and Corey just said, listen, we're just going to sit here and we're going to play meditations and you should just feel free to leave whenever you want. And then slowly everyone just goes out of the room while you play. But it's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a gift. It's like we will eventually be playing this music for one person. And then they leave and then the show is over. It's like a natural conclusion rather than a lights up leave situation. That'd be so weird. I love that. Man, I'm seeing the vision. You giving me the vision. That. We should talk about the show. I've been talking about the show, man, 
Oh man, because because the show will be like a review. It will be there will be dance. There will be elements of virtuosity and just fire musicianship. It'll be the songs. It'll be the community aspect that's always at the show. The the energy of people gathering together. The tidal wave of love and and the feeling of wanting to be back together after this whole thing. This whole pandemic will create such a wave and a rush of togetherness and activity. Wow. You just, yeah, that's a great, great vision that you just gave me. Because we typically will end the shows in a different tone, like the up, you know, with the people. Everyone goes out, the music's still ringing in their ears, and the whole thing feels like, wow, how did it end? And it's all just one big kind of drop down to zero, right? And it's like, yes. I don't know, man. I just, it just, just the idea of being able to just walk away spiritually fulfilled in process, right? In process. Because that's what meditations is. To your point, it's you captured a moment and shared it with us, one singular moment that lives with us now forever. Yes. And that was the process. It was going to be one moment. We, we we ran down the record during the breaks. We ran down the record three times. And I think we picked the, the first the first whole run of it because it just became more and more evident as we listened back to it. And then with distance from it, after we listened a few months after we tracked it, it was that moment. It was the first one. And if you create that at the end of your shows, every show you just Give a peep, give people a piece of the moment to take with them. It's almost like at the end of church, when you have that music that's playing, uh, like the altar call, it's just like people walking out, folk walking up. I like it, man. Well, John, you know, I love you as a human being and as an artist from the minute I met you, man. I, I think you're such a unique presence on this planet at a time when you're needed. I can't help but feel some kind of spiritual destiny attached to you. I, I, you can't ignore it. Uh, the fact that you know your life has led you to this point where you're able to apply yourself in so many different ways and disciplines in order to do right by the three principles upon which you are committed, which if I'm not mistaken is love, joy, and community, correct? That's it. That's it. That's it. You know, if you Find a way to be yourself in this life. If you find a way to, to, to be yourself unbridled, unpretentious, authentic, and walk in that path, I guarantee that that will enliven and empower so many people that that'll be your fuel to keep going. And I feel like I'm just, just getting in touch with and meeting the individual who was within all along. And that person is really. That's the soul. That's the connection to God and the divine that I'm trying to continue to grow and feed, even in these times that we're in, feeding that, growing that, building that out. So, man, to say that you see the spiritual calling on my life, that's the biggest compliment because it's, it's, been, a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey and it's not been any journey that I've, I've been able to see. You know, I've had mentors. I've had all kind of great collaborators, but it's my own journey. And it's something that we all have to figure out if we if we're trying to reach that level of authenticity and, and that level of manifestation of who we actually are. It's going to be a unique road and it's not going to be a road where you're going to see other people on it sometime for long stretches. That's a great compliment that that you can feel that and see that. That also says you're a seer. You know, I wrote something on the actually on the cover of the album to the, to the to the seers, to the griots, to the truth tellers. 
who refuse to let us descend fully into madness. And that's what madness is. That's what chaos and pandemonium is. That's what we see when people try to put us in these boxes, try to put us in these ways of thinking politically that's, you know, here or there, left or right, red or blue. Everything is this or that, black or white, woman or it's, it's just, we're so, so much deeper than that. Everybody is so much more than that. And I feel that there's something that I have to say in this life to illuminate that. That is that is it. That's the community aspect. That's the love aspect. And ultimately, the joy that comes from that is knowing. Simply wonderful to see you, John. Oh, man, look. <laughs> As always, great to see you. I, I can't wait till we can link again in person, man. And let's connect offline if you got more ideas for the show because we putting that together right now. <laughs> You're fine. But listen, I'll never shy away from throwing my two cents on an otherwise yeah. paying bill. Hey, listen, man, it's, it's great to connect. This music is special. I've loved every second of it. I can't wait till the next time already, man. Have a, just a blessed and beautiful day, bro. Yes, indeed. Much love to you and the fam. Yeah, I just love the guy. He's fantastic. And his music and his art, his creative speaks for itself. But when he speaks, just comes alive. John Batiste, everyone. All right, thanks for checking out this conversation. If you haven't yet, by all means, follow the interview series, leave a rating or a comment, and we'll be back again with a brand new one before you know it.